Hi, my name is Michael Poli, and I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. My friends are obsessed and always make jokes and references to it. And so now, 20 years later, I've been convinced to watch the show from beginning to end, one episode a week. I'm a Buffy virgin. Hello, welcome to Buffy Virgin. Today we are doing season three, episode 10, Amends, also known as the Christmas episode. Uh, today on the podcast, we have Michael Poli. Hello. Michael is the Buffy Virgin. He has never seen any episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, up except for all the ones up to this one. Yeah, except for season three, episode 10, Amends. Yeah. Except for almost half the show at this point. Well, not really. A not third really. of the show. Okay. Something like a th- that. A third. Oh, I feel like I'm, I'm moving along so yep. swiftly. Uh, we also have Dennis, the amazing horror comics cartoonist. Hey, happy fucking Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Dennis is the author of <laughs> Land of Many Monsters and Many More Monster Tales. Thank you. Available on Amazon.com. And I'm John Landis. I will be hosting for today. Our um, podcast regular Travis is out, although he has left us many observations and a recorded summary of the episode. So He's left us many Christmas presents for us to unwrap here <laughs> on the show. He will be here as the ghost of Buffy Observations past. <laughs> All right. Um, so we're going to go ahead and start with the summary, the very summary we were just discussing. What happened in the last episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I cannot remember. Someone must prepare for me a summary. This section of the Buffy Virgin podcast is the summary. Buffy, season three, episode 10, amends. Snowy Dublin. 1838. Violins and horse-drawn carriages and cobblestones. Angelus stalks an Irishman named Daniel. Daniel has lost money at cards, so Angelus takes his payment in blood. Wait, Angelus plays cards? And has a killer mustache? And it's Christmas? Boom. Uh Uh-oh, shirtless and clean-shaven Angel wakes up in modern day from his nightmare memory and goes for a walk and runs into... Buffy, who is shopping. But Angel isn't there for gifts, and he gets his own surprise when he sees an apparition. And it's Daniel! He stares out into the distance. Well, distant from her. Buffy is freaked out, but Angel doesn't say anything. And he should definitely say something, because Buffy got a new haircut, and it looks great! At school, (laughs) Cordelia is a mean girl again. Once more with feeling. Like, a lot of bad feelings. Giles? Well, Buffy isn't going to bother him with Angel, because, yeah, Angelus did kill his girlfriend and planted her body in his bed. We still haven't (laughs) figured out how Giles beat a murder conviction on that. This holiday season, it's all about guilt. Joyce is guilty about her chocolate-fueled sex romp with Giles. Willow is guilty about betraying Oz. Buffy is a little guilty about Faith. Oh yeah, Faith. Buffy drops by Faith's scary motel room to invite her over for some Christmas cheer. But Faith is going to be busy with a big party to go to. Yeah, right. Angel shows up unannounced at Giles's, but he gets the cold shoulder, and I know why. He didn't bring any cardboard signs to express his feelings. Confused? This episode premiered before Love Actually. Just watch Love Actually. You'll get what I mean. <laughs> Another flashback with Angel plays, but I don't remember exactly what happens because, oh my god, he still has that crazy mustache and goatee. What's a Slayer to do? Her ex-boyfriend, ex-enemy? ex-nearly bringer of the world into hell is seeing his victims come back to him and speak of his cruelty. Turns out, he wasn't much of a specimen of a man when he had a heartbeat either. 
Angel still has some pretty filthy dreams involving Buffy, although I guess it goes both ways with them, and he's egged on by a weird, ghostly Miss Calendar, but he decides to take his own life instead of being driven to kill his only true love. It turns out that the apparitions are not real ghosts, but it is the first evil. You can't fight the first, but you can fight his demon minions, and so Buffy and Xander stop by to see Willie the Snitch. Good old Willie. Guess what? The big old bad is underground. Willow is trying to make amends with Oz by seducing him with the help of Barry White. She's ready to go to the next level, but Oz isn't having this nonsense. He's no Xander Harris. He doesn't want to take advantage of this situation. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, Faith actually stops by Buffy's house to hang out. But dang, Angel is, how we say, lurking in her room? Buffy is, is seeking amends for killing Angel and their doomed relationship. But she isn't able to save him on her own. He bursts out of her window and disappears into the night. Buffy races to the library, and with Giles, they figure out that the priests with the freaky eye sockets are living under the dead Christmas trees. Down underground. Again, bad things live underground. We see the specter of evil finally talk shop with Buffy. It turns out that what is plaguing Angel is just the first evil. Beyond sin and beyond death. You know, the first evil. The first evil tells Buffy that even now Angel is planning on taking his own life, and that her Christmas will be Angel's wake. But come on, nobody gets a funeral on Buffy. Watch the freaking show, first evil. Okay, Buffy races to the hill above the mansion to find a suicidal angel waiting for sunrise. Buffy could hear what the first one told Angel, but she didn't know what he felt. That's when he drops the stake into her heart. He wanted to lose himself in her, to take her, and he couldn't bear to go on living as a monster. He had already been a monster for too long. Buffy tells him that he can make amends, not just suffer. Then she is kind of pretty rough on him and calls him a monster and a coward if he ends things. They fight, and she tells him the truth, that she doesn't want him to go away. All the evil, all the horrible acts of maliciousness that he did to her, Buffy knows it all. She knows all of his misdeeds because she has suffered it all at his hands, and yet she still loves him. But the son, the son is delayed by the powers that be. In the end, there is pain and suffering and snow. And yes, you can tell your friends that one day it did snow in Sunnydale. Okay. So. Weird, weird ending on that one. That's yeah. cryptic. One day it did snow. So thanks for the summary, Travis. Uh, next, we're going to go into a weird. We're going to do our great lines. Then we're going to do weird noticings and trivia. Some questions for the group. We'll do our deep themes for the episode before we get into uh, our predictions, Mike's predictions, then Dennis's kill count and recommendations. Phew, it's a marathon of a show. So, um, great lines. Oh man, there's so many great lines in this episode. I can't wait to talk about my favorite ones. <laughs> you know what Xander said? Uh, Mike, do you want to read Travis's great lines since he's not here? Yes, I do. So this, so this first one is from uh, a moment where... Uh, Buffy says, so what are you doing for Christmas? And Willow says, being Jewish, remember people, not everybody worships Santa. Great line. No, that's good a line. Good yes, also, excellent. Like, worth pointing out that then Buffy doesn't retract. She's like, I just meant winter break. And that's very Christian normative to like, just throw in that like Christmas is winter break. Like, mm, she doesn't yeah. apologize. Screw you, Buffy. That's all I'm saying. Uh, my favorite line from the episode was Oz's, uh, it's like I lost an arm or worse, a torso. 
because it's simultaneously dramatic and funny. It works works on both levels. Uh, I like the Joyce line. So, Angel's on top again? (laughs) I think that is a little bit insensitive because she knows at least that Buffy has an ex named Angel. I feel like she should be able to understand what's going on there. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I also liked, um, well, I heard a few things from the underground. The underground? Yeah, the things that live underground. Excellent Willie impression. Yeah, that was a really good (laughs) character impression. Um, uh, Then my last, I have a a third one here. Um, A child shall be born of man and goat, and it will have two heads, and one head will speak only in lies. Uh, No wonder you like this stuff. It's like reading the sun. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was a super weird one. I would like to talk about this sweater that we always wear. It was very, very funny. Also, Xander and the band that plays. This is the Weird Noticings and Trivia section of the Buffy Virgin podcast. It is the longest section of the podcast. Enjoy. All right. So um, our first noticings are mostly about uh, past life Angel. Uh, His accent is can still terrible i feel like it's getting a little more consistent like at least he's staying in the terrible irish accent and not just like randomly dropping back into american uh david boreanaz accent yeah um, i mean they definitely didn't fly him over to ireland so he could practice the accent <laughs> i mean maybe that's what irish people sounded like in the 17th century we don't oh, know you owe me money for cards <laughs> i'm gonna drain your blood uh, Dennis, what did you think about uh, old timey and jealous? I just I'm a little confused by the life he's leading because it doesn't. We're kind of led to believe from last season and stuff that like Angelus was just like super evil and everything, but he seems to have like kind of been living a normal life where he's playing cards and going to Christmas parties and stuff and just murdering people on the side. Uh, I was a little puzzled by that. Um, like he maybe is running like a like maybe he's a hustler. He's running some sort of like weekly card game where he drinks the loser i don't know (laughs) i like the evolution of his like style because like human and jealous looks like gaston from beauty and the Beast, and then like later there's long hair that like long hair angel that looks like yanni and then at some point he decides you know to cut his i guess after he gets a soul he decides he's gonna go for like the full keanu reeves i don't know yeah well, he's got the, yeah. It's not even Keanu Reeves. It's like the haircut only David Boreanaz can have because it emphasizes <laughs> his like Frankenstein head. <laughs> uh, Mike, you uh, you enjoyed some of uh, Sarah, Sarah Michelle Gellar's acting oh, in this. No, I, I'm sorry. I meant Angel's acting. I meant oh. to say it's the best Angel acting I've seen. So I just want to riff on that where I was really surprised how much I enjoyed, you know, Angel's angels acting in general like there's stuff whatever his accent can be what it is but i felt like he played some more interesting and nuanced characters than he's played and i like his kind of his violent scary crazy angel or angelus from the past is really fun so i, I enjoyed the uh the drama and uh because i knew i was enjoying it i'm like oh well the acting must be pretty good because i'm not focused on that so much <laughs> It is totally failed to ruin the scene. <laughs> uh, so we have some Travis notes here. Travis, who is not currently with us. Uh, 
Travis points out that Buffy has a new haircut. I didn't notice this. Did you guys notice it? I noticed it. I don't, he loved it in the um, summary. Uh, I, it's too 90s for me. Those bangs are too short. I, I liked her haircut. No, I definitely, I definitely noticed it. There's a scene where I think she's like uh, doing research with Willow or whatever. And like the hair is just spot on. It's like, it looks like she just got it styled. It's maybe a little bit too well done for, you know, like, because you notice it, you know, it stands out that she's got a new style, but I like it. looks good, but it does look like she's going on a date or to dance, you know, not like she's going to be hanging out in the library. Yeah. Oh yeah. Her library outfit is like on fleek. Um, <laughs> to use a term from like three years ago or whatever. <laughs> that's cool. You're allowed to use it now. All of the, yeah, that's right. <laughs> all the power. So uh travis uh, also says uh sorry that he's uh, uh buffy's buying magic at uh, buying gifts at the magic shop to is see- that true even I, he could have read the bags i don't know okay um i mean the magic shop is resilient is what i think and this whole town is resilient but travis's note here says wtf question mark too soon is there like a period of mourning where you shouldn't shop at a business where the shopkeeper has been murdered because i feel like after the shopkeeper has been murdered, that's a good time to patronize that business. They need they need the help. That's true. I think, but for fear, I mean, you you'd avoid it. But well, I don't think Buffy cares about that. I mean, she had a showdown in that shop. Also, I feel like Travis is operating out of the assumption here that uh, you know retail is tragedy plus time, which I don't think is quite accurate. <laughs> but she also vandalized the shop and destroyed everything in it in order to stop vampires, right? So she probably has some residual guilt and feels the need to, you know, like to go there. She's like, I did destroy half the shit here, and I don't know if it was covered by insurance because probably it's hard to explain water versus holy water. So yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I I imagine she's shopping for Willow. Uh, so where else would you shop for the little witch that could, right? Or Amy. She could be shopping for Amy. I don't know how close they are. Um, uh, Mike, I'm going to hold off on your comment about Giles and Angel because we're going to get to that a little later. Um, Perfect. Yeah. Um, Dennis, uh, Christmas trees and vampires? Uh, I just said in some mythos, vampires are afraid of all holy symbols, um, like a cross. Uh so like for example, like anything that anything that would be religious would be dangerous to them. Um so I said, do Christmas trees count? Are they holy objects? Based on the kind of line of like, I guess vampires aren't too big into Christmas. Or like if you throw a vampire into like a tree, it's fine. But a tree covered like a tree covered in uh lights and tinsel, will that burn them? Hmm. I, I mean I think there's a question here as to whether are vampires deterred by all religious symbols or just Christian symbols? Uh, I think it depends on the mythos. So I was trying to right. push, but um, yeah. But also like, is a Christmas tree religious at this point? Well, here's my thoughts that connect with this. Yeah. Is uh, that the Christmas tree lot or later on has the dying Christmas trees. Uh, maybe the evil uh, hurts the good of a you know, a mighty evergreen or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I guess metaphorically that totally works. I mean, besides the fact that there's no root system there because uh, there's a cave for some reason underneath. <laughs> yeah. but I like I like that the yeah evil has taken away the power of the Christmas tree, which makes this evil more powerful than Christ. <laughs> so has any film as you? I mean, maybe you recommend this later. Has any film dealt with the Christmas tree as a Christian symbol for vampire lore? 
Um, no, not that I know of. There's, um, there is a specific tree that is considered holy that kills vampires that I, off the top of my head, I can't remember. I should look it up, but in the satanic rites of Dracula, Christopher Lee is killed by falling into a hawthorn bush. And it's used in the groovy grown vampires by Richard Sala. So sometimes trees can be things that kill vampires, but I haven't ever seen it be like just a Christmas tree. Maybe if it was like only made by somebody who was actually religious and not like a sellout. Like if Linus made the Christmas tree, then they can kill it. But like, then I ain't nothing. (laughs) I, that's a thing in, um, is that is that in Fright Night where uh, crosses are only deter vampires if the person holding the cross is re- actually religious? I think that's in Fright Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought that was a cool twist. Like that it only cool works twist. if you believe in it. Or like in Troll Hunters, they can only smell Christians. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that movie. <laughs> um, so Travis notes that Buffy is using a lot of contractions in this episode. <laughs> Did either of you happen to notice that Buffy is using a lot of contractions in this episode? No, I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, Buffy is Buffy is not assume, an android? Assume android is. That? <laughs> or if she is an android, she can. She has emotions. And can, she has an emotion chip, right? <laughs> uh, that's how you know that it's not Buffy. That it's lore. <laughs> I mean, people normally use contractions like that's like how we speak. <laughs> I mean, I think as Travis watches so much Buffy so much, like I, if he tells me that Buffy is using more contractions in this episode than normal, I believe him. I don't no, think I, he's I, making it up. Yeah. Uh, well, this is a Joss Whedon episode, so maybe Buffy is supposed to use more contractions. This is him trying to correct the ship about she's just not using enough contractions. <laughs> well, uh, moving on here. Does the dead Irish guy, does Daniel look like someone you know? You know what? Now that you you pointed out, he does. I, I felt like, like a strong John Landis resemblance with Daniel. Oh. And it made me uh, smile and laugh. Oh, he's and, quite handsome. He's got good uh, sideburns. Thank you, fellas. Yeah, you're a handsome man, John. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll have just, you know that I've had guests on the show who have later co- commented on how handsome you are. Oh, I'm handsome recently? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. All right. Uh, uh, so, yeah, back to the Christmas trees. I say, yeah. I wonder if this plot of land that kills Christmas trees will come back into the story somehow. Uh, maybe, maybe it's just some weird <laughs> They won't bring it back. Uh, I also say um, I love Joyce's not wanting to invite Giles to Christmas. That scene is really funny. Um, like she's the nice mom about Faith and brings up like Faith lives in a dingy motel. Uh, you should be friends with Faith more, uh, but really not mom. with Giles. Not Mr. Giles. Mr. Giles does not want to have Christmas with a bunch of girls. No. <laughs> <laughs> now this, of course, because of the guilt she feels about sleeping with him during yes. the band candy episode yeah i think clearly. i feel like didn't you make a prediction about like they won't acknowledge that it happened they'll respect each other's yes yes we, he did he did so predict mm-hmm. feels like they're he- that's the direction cited that they're uh, trying to respect each other's discre- <laughs> and be discreet yeah all right let's talk about giles and angel the when angel tortured angel comes to giles's door this scene is kind of amazing uh first of all giles is cooking dinner let's start there that looked like a great dinner. Uh, that's, <laughs> it did. 
to me yeah. that's like that's like um that's a, a similar dim- dinner to what i will make myself but i'm never as successful as that where it's like the kind of like i just want to make one meal in one pan and have it all cook at the same time and stuff you know and make yeah meat. it looked good i was like mm. and then i just that scene goes on a while i hope you turned off the stove <laughs> Yeah, nothing uh, like your ex-torturer coming by to ruin dinner. Yeah. <laughs> I like uh, Mike, how hard a time that, you know, Giles gives Angel, too. Like, I think that he, I like that he doesn't want to help him, you know, repeatedly here. Like, even when Buffy later is like, hey, uh, you know, we're in each other's dreams. Would you mind? Like, I like that Giles is staying, like, he's sticking to his gut about it, but uh, not wanting to be helpful to Angel. Yeah. Uh, that's just good. Like, I wasn't sure how they were going to play that. Like, Giles has forgiven Buffy more or less. Um, yeah, he shouldn't forgive each. Yeah, there should be consequences, right? Yes, yeah. which is why I think they should not be discussing this in the house. What should happen? Because I love how he gets at the crossbow to like, ah, I still don't trust you. So then, why invite him in? Why not just take the crossbow and Angel out on the porch? Well, and discuss I think it's things because outside. he lives in an apartment complex, and it's a little weird if you're pointing an arrow. Then do it at Starbucks. <laughs> Don't invite the that's true. You can the magical point. torturer who can't come into your house unless you say so into your house. Like, yeah, people are giving up the advantage they have of Angel like all over this season. Buffy invites him in, and he yeah. uses it against her in this episode. Angel invites him in. Like this I, is. I, your one move, your one protective mood against, move against this dude. I can forgive Buffy because Buffy has compromised feelings, but um, Giles' feelings about Angel are pretty one, one-dimensional. He doesn't trust him. But then question come on that. in. <laughs> question about that. Did, did Angel already have permission to get into Giles' house, though? That's Clearly not. Clearly well, but, not. But he arranged Jenny on the bed. Oh, so they must have done one of those reversal spells. Yeah, so at some point he must have been allowed in. Yeah. Um, but when? I can't recall. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't either, recall either. But yeah. Where's Travis? I know. Let's text him during his work dinner. <laughs> <laughs> With Buffy questions. Uh, Let's talk about Ghost Jenny. I just I say uh, creepy Ghost Jenny is the best Jenny. Um, I like the actress playing Jenny Calendar, but I don't think she played normal high school scenes well. Um, but what she does play well is like being a creep or being like overly like her overperformance is what I enjoy. So her getting to be a creep ghost is like, like peak Jenny for me. I was pleasantly surprised to see her in this episode, even though she's supposed to be this evil incarnation or whatever. But like, I thought that she'd be gone for good. So it was cool to kind of, kind of see her come back. And I, I do, I, I definitely agree. I like her, her creepy acting is great. Like, this is maybe not as strong as when Drusilla's pretending to be her, yeah. which is insane and awesome. But like, it's on the level. But it's funny that like, Jenny is such a powerful character to pretend to be. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. They both do it. The first evil and Drew. I also I just like her creeping, invisibly creeping on Giles and being like, like lusting after his like shoulder. Um, <laughs> I don't see anything, Angel. What are you talking about? Ah, I got a rod. Got a... <laughs> Do you want to talk about this uh, uh, rapey Angel flashback? Um. Yeah, I don't know. We could save it for themes or something. Yeah, that's prefer. pretty heavy. 
It's, I mean, even Travis skipped over it on the summary, mm-hmm. it's, but I feel like we need to talk about it. You yeah, just move it over to themes. Yeah, let's, 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 let's deal one? with that. Is that the one already. with the maid? Uh, yeah, the maid at the Christmas party? that's okay. really upsetting and heavy. Okay, I'm dropping it over into themes. Okay. Uh, and then we're, yeah, we should definitely also, I mean, maybe this, maybe this can go in themes too, but we should talk about how Oz is such a good guy, it strains credibility. He's in a some superior <laughs> human being. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, I, I, I say that, I don't think that, I don't want to say, I don't want to be, I don't want to sound like I'm saying that all teenage boys are Xanders and that the idea that he would say no to sex is, is, is not credible because I think that part I have a, no problem with. It's his astute read of Willow that is completely yeah. on the nose, like 100%. When he gets in the uh, classroom scene, when he gets back together with her, yes, yeah. his, his astute read of his own feelings. Exactly, which, like, exactly. Nobody knows how to express their own feelings that much. Not right? when they're 18, for Christ's sake. Uh, I mean, but it's great. I think, I mean, I'm not going to trash Oz for being a superior human because I feel like yeah. uh, we need more examples like dudes like this to teach Agreed. us mere mortals how to human. Uh, Agree. Yeah, but it's super unrealistic, and so yeah. it's totally like Oz is such an anathema, especially compared to Angel. Well, I guess we get to that, right? Like Angel, who's completely incapable of putting his feelings into words. Yeah, that well, it's interesting because yeah, I guess this is the thing we keep it like because both Oz and Angel choose abstinence, right? Right, but, like, but for really different reasons and in different yeah. ways. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this is going to be some big themes we're talking about. Yeah, we'll get we'll get there. Uh, so, oh yeah, I noticed this too, Dennis, about um, how, so like two of the people that the ghosts that we see are people in modern clothes and two are old timey. Yeah. So either Angelus was, these are people Angelus killed last year that we never saw, which is right. believable, or Angel has not been as good as we think, which I think is also a maybe. Like we don't know what he did for those hundred years between Soul and Sunnydale. Oh, I like that read. I feel like that's pretty far off the page, but I really like the read that like, because I feel like the, the show, this episode aside, usually the show wants to treat Angel and Angelus like completely different people. But here's my, here's my overall canonical read about Angel and Angelus, <laughs> which is like, we, we, I mean, I haven't brought this up before, I guess, because I, it's more for Angel, I guess. But like, Angel, when Angel is Angel... Angelus is still there. Angelus right. is his evil Jiminy Cricket whispering like, biter, fucking biter. Just eat that face. Arrange those bodies. Arrange the bodies. Right? So I can believe at some point, like in the 80s, Angel slipped and let Angelus out for a night and then like, woke up like, you know, with some Hannibal Lecter styled like shit going on and walked away from it. You're right. It's probably pretty far off the page. It's just a pitch. I mean, I, I, I like that better. I think, I think that's a richer way to look at it than the way that the show often wants you to, to, to handle it, which is just that they're com- two completely different people. Yeah. And I believe that Angel is the soul of the first dude who inhabited the body, whose name we don't know yet, or do we? I know it. Is it part of the canon yet or not? No, no, I don't know it. Can I say? I don't it? think so. Can I break the rules and say it? No. 
Ah, crap. All right. <laughs> I was surprised. I feel like there should be more ghosts visiting Angel. Like, this didn't seem... Yeah, there should be like, more and more old-timey ones. Yeah. Like, we're, we're missing that, like, 1900 to the present, you know, like, was it 1840s Dublin or something? Well, when is he cursed, exactly? Because, like... Uh, I think he's, they say, like, 100 to 90 years ago, something like that. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, there should be more like early 20th century or late 19th century ones. I'm sure the show Angel will deal with some of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Enjoy historically reenacting other periods with. He uh, should also be visited by like the ghosts of all the rats that he ate in the streets. <laughs> the ghost of Christmas rat. <laughs> no, but the, the first evil chooses, chooses wisely to the clearly unjustified murders that are stand out in his mind. I yeah. I, I think that. First Evil is such a weird, which weird villain, because it's like basically it's it's the it shows that the number one tool that a villain can use is guilt, and man, if we get him feel guilty, he'll kill himself. Um, it's all it's such a big name for a villain, um, such a large declaration, you know. Yeah, and it, it really does feel like a real throwaway villain. Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> It does feel throwaway because it's like such a conceptual villain and then like we don't really meet the villain. It's just like there's some random cultists and then Jenny Callender kind of like talks down to Buffy about how this weird weird, weird thing works. It, but it, it's very it's very strange. It feels like a a religious organization that maintains this thing that why it's picking out Angel, I guess, to destroy Buffy you know, because that's its goal is like to get people to whisper at killing Buffy. But it's it's just so strange in this show because I believe that Angel is genuinely haunted by these things. And then like when the show was like, oh no, these are physically manifested in order to get him to like kill himself or kill Buffy. It was like, it felt very strange and disjointed to what I, the direction I thought the show was going. And then it's like, oh yeah, well we just uh, pushed around those cultists and now the thing is, the bad thing is gone. Like what? <laughs> he still feels guilty what he doesn't feel guilt now oh you just gotta kill the guilt demon duh you're good <laughs> like yeah. I, I would love that I, that take like for a story about like PTSD in the military or something like that someone's visited by ghosts of like people they murdered you know mostly civilians I'm sure and then like oh they just killed the guilt demon that lives in the basement <laughs> they're good <laughs> he's making all those <laughs> bad dreams happen I feel like that is a pretty good representation of, of how like the rules of the Buffy verse though like yeah. if you kill the symbol of the thing then the thing is gone and I mean we could argue they wipe out the first evil or whatever but he still feels that enough that he's still going to commit suicide if it wasn't for the intervention of snow right right that's it's such a random thing right because he, they're waiting for the sunrise but i guess snow prevents the sun from appearing that doesn't make any goddamn sense i yeah <laughs> i do want to talk about that because like i feel like if that were true then vampires would be way more concerned with the weather yeah if cloud cover meant that you could go out in the day well it might yeah but snow it's like this dumb perception of snow like it can't be snowing when the sun is out like yes it can yeah it seems like a very uh the whole the way the snow looks and the way it um uh piles and stuff is very like a guy who's lived in la his whole life and has never seen snow yeah um, 
I actually hate the snow so much. This is the same ending as the movie Parenthood. <laughs> with Steve Martin. I don't remember that ending. Did he kill himself in the Parenthood? No, no, but there's just, no, just that like everything's sad and then there's, um, it, it's a miracle that it snows in LA. Oh, yeah. Is that Parenthood or is that the Grand Canyon? I don't know. Some movie where Steve Martin is sad and a dad. Is it, it snows LA in the story? end. That's, that's definitely. It's not LA story. I think it's Parenthood, but I don't. I think that's rem- Parenthood, yeah. But that's not the scene that stands out to me from Parenthood. But yeah. No, no, yeah. It's not the best part of the movie. It's a good movie. I like Parenthood. Um, so, uh, during, uh, the sexy dream that Angel has about Buffy and, and or Buffy sexy. has about Angel, yeah. it's pretty Buffy. blandly sexy. It's like, it's like Playboy shoot sexy. It's all yeah. silk sheets and it's really bland, but, um, <laughs> but as you point out, Dennis, Angel has the dream on a table. <laughs> Dude, earlier in this episode, we saw him sleeping in a bed. We know his mansion. <laughs> That fucking weirdo fell asleep on a goddamn table. <laughs> and for a guy who's shirtless everywhere, he sleeps fully clothed. Yeah. Everything this guy does is weird. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of weird, uh, he has so many insane exits. Uh, well, two anyway. He has two uh, insane exits yeah. in this episode. I wonder, do they really, they read as insane to me. Did they, I mean, they read as insane to everybody else, right? It's like from the yeah. perspective of Buffy and or Giles, it's like a crazy angel showed up who you don't want to see ever anyway. And then like says, mutter some things, has a freak out and leaves. Like clearly like it's signs of Well, what does he illness. say to Giles before he runs out? He's just like, uh, this isn't going to work. And he just like runs away. <laughs> And then uh, with, with Buffy, he says, what does he, I forget what he says. I should look it up. He, well, says, he says, before he leaves, he's like, you should stay away from me. And that's right. You came to my house to, <laughs> tell me to stay away from you. Yeah. Buffy's reaction is totally appropriate. And then he says something crazy and dives out the second story window head first. <laughs> I also like, that is an amazing dive. But before he does that, I, I, I really like his lust vision because it's like looking at the bed directly and then looking at her neck and yeah. then at the bed. And he's just like... And of all times for Buffy to not be wearing the cross that he gave her in the first episode. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, good call. Um, yeah, that dive is so amazing. <laughs> I mean, that is a comedic dive. That's from a comedy show, not from like a drama. Yeah, it 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 looks like uh, you know what it looks like um, Han Solo diving down the garbage chute in uh, New Hope is what it looks like. You know what it reminds me of is in that uh, movie you guys made in high school called Coke Fiends. Um, <laughs> uh, that tape no longer exists, thankfully. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, no, no blackmail will occur because of the uh, hilarious drug comedy that we shot on VHS. Uh, anyway, there's a scene from that that it reminds me of. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's talk about uh, Buffy and Faith. Okay. Um, yeah, they get, they're finally back together this episode. We haven't seen them in a while. Yeah, uh, there's not a lot of faith in this. Yeah. Just a little faith. For, for, so, yeah, for a Christmas episode to have so little faith. Um, no, it seemed like an obvious opportunity to like have a, like, a heartwarming moment by a Christmas tree or with a dinner or something. We never get to that. It's just like that, just the weird moment where Buffy shows up at Faith's, Faith's like trying to fix her TV 
and like pretending that she has some party to go to. <laughs> and yeah, we get the show. we get the heartwarming moment at the end. A little bit, yeah. But it never but like it's distracted by spastic angel. Yeah. Um, but but, but I think it works. I think fun. that the thing of like her giving gifts and then like they're crappy is charming, you know? Um I know it's weird to bring up another Buffy podcast on our puff on our podcast, um, but the Buffering podcast did a uh, slash fiction music video uh, about Buffy and Faith in this episode. Set to uh, they made up their own version of "It's Cold Outside," <laughs> uh, and it's pretty good. It's on. I saw it on YouTube. Um, so uh, if you're yeah, really we should Buffy just Faith, uh, Buffy Faith is that Fuffy? If you're really into Fuffy. <laughs> maybe it's cold outside from buffering i know it's weird to be talking that much about no, it. no i think I, I think though there's a i think that we should just make our podcast a podcast review show where we just listen to every episode of buffering since they they are obviously a class act i've listened to a couple other ones um i can't i should research this there's some good buffy podcasts there are there. some really good ones there's one i haven't listened to yet that's a faith-based one like a religious like religious faith they're like two um <laughs> theology students reviewing Buffy. Um, I keep meaning to listen to that. They followed us. On that Twitter. sounds amazing. Sound good. Um, okay. So uh, I, I do want to talk about the podcast. I know people are curious. You I can't, don't. Mike. I do not. I would yeah. have to listen to Buffering. I hear it's great. It Buffering, is really good. Yeah. Uh, does try to be spoiler free. So you could listen to previous episodes if you wanted. Yeah. They're oh. pretty good about that. Although I not think everybody who's everybody, yeah, everybody who's on the show has seen the whole thing. So I don't think they're completely like airtight about it, but they're pretty good. Um, I want to talk about Willow's idea of what a sexy night is because yes. it's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, so she wears, so it's above the elements for Willow's sexy night are one red velvet dress, three candles, one very white record. And I think two bottles of like seven up or serum mist or something in a bucket of ice. <laughs> I love it. I love, I love it. It's so prominently featured. It's they're set for ice to chill. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like Sierra Mist or Squirt or something. <laughs> squirt. <laughs> it's so adorable because she could. It really is. Alcohol, right. She. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, you know, we know Willow's a rule follower. That she's uh, really intense about rules, and I think uh, for her, having sex is already probably breaking at least one rule. Yeah. So, yeah. She, so why she, not break all the rules, right? Why, you know, right, why not shoot heroin? I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I get the sense that if Willow is going to break rules, she's going to break a lot of rules. Like Dark Willow wouldn't, you know, this isn't Dark Willow's idea. This is time. definitely not Dark Willow's seduction. I, I think I sense a prediction there, Mike. Oh, I mean, I do believe Willow will eventually get some of this sex that she's after. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, that, we should do that this episode is you predict when bo- when and who both Willow and Xander lose their virginity to. Yeah. Very oh. important. Oh, did Xander not have sex with Cordelia? Oh, I don't, I don't think he did. I don't oh. think he has. Oh, okay. Well, I guess, yeah, I can, I'll make a prediction about that. Sure. Um, on a completely unrelated note, uh, Giles uh, says that the uh, the bringers are rebels and they'll never be any good, which is a reference to He's a Rebel, performed by the Crystals, which is a doo-wop group from the early 60s. Oh, nice. I like, I like them reading together um, on Christmas Eve. Yes. What a good father-daughter relationship. 
Uh, um, Dead by Sunrise, Dennis? Oh, yeah. Um, so then Buffy run, figures it all out based on that he's, he's a rebel thing, goes to the Christmas tree lot and finds the first evil um, and sasses the hell out of the first evil. Uh, but then it's like when it forms its monstrous face and it goes, Dead by Sunrise! And I was just like, well, that's a weird evil dead ripoff. Like, <laughs> dead by Sunrise does not sound nearly as good as Dead by Dawn. <laughs> uh mike do you want to read the uh travis noticing about um wearing shirts at nighttime uh yeah this may be a laugh um so giles is wearing a dress shirt and vest at home in the middle of the night uh and travis says even i don't do that yeah i wouldn't wear the wet vest but i do will sleep in my dress shirts yeah so (laughs) do you sleep in your dress shirts mike uh, so no, uh, I try to sleep in as few clothes as possible. You know, I'll do a t-shirt every now and then, but, uh, yep. definitely never sleep in dress shirts. Uh, I am always surprised to see Travis wearing a full, full suit, more or less, whenever we go out. Interesting. Um, the, uh, you want to talk about the, uh, Buffy angel scene that we already talked about the snow aspect of it. Um, I think there's something to be said about uh, the things they say to each other in the end there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's stuff. It's dramatic speeches. My problem with this is Buffy's line where she says, um, I know everything you did because you did it to me. As though breaking up with somebody is the same as torturing you to death. I feel like that's really not fair yeah. of Buffy she, to say. She has seen him murder people now through dreams. But she, uh, but to say you did it to yeah. me is is completely inaccurate, and I feel like belittles a lot of people's pain. That's true. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. That seems weird and rough. Like the thing where he like hits her and then shake, knocks her on the ground and then shakes. Am her. I a righteous man? It's like, dude. <laughs> yeah, those scenes are really confusing. I feel. I don't feel like I fully understood what was being debated. Like the philosophical things being debated were like so needlessly cryptic. I, I agree. It. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's not, it's not very concisely written. Yeah. And I feel like there's, I mean, there's just things that are said for dramatic reason that like flip, but it flips back and forth where it's like how important the angel is to her. And then at the end, she's like, don't expect me to mourn. Don't expect me, to, you know, but whatever. <laughs> It's yeah. I mean, it this is, is the origins of Twilight, right? These these yeah. kinds of relationships, these speeches. Because like I thought that Buffy had so defiantly said she was over Angel, like two episodes ago, whatever, and now it's completely reversed. You know, now Buffy and Angel, you know, even though she says, "Oh, we're not going to be an item, Giles," like they are more likely to be an item now again more than ever. So like now it's totally reversed. So I don't. I don't know what this this show apparently really is really excited about playing around with their relationship. Yep. But I don't I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> it feels really similar to like back in season two when it was like every episode was like, wait, are they dating or not? I can't tell. Like that's how it feels right now this season. Yeah, I mean at least they, they do they have talked about that this season though, that like 
they have looked at each other when they after they do like half naked tai chi together or whatever and they're like why are we doing this this doesn't make sense as a thing yeah they have they have making out yeah (laughs) yeah they just put themselves in such intimate situations yeah who knows maybe yeah maybe we'll hook up but if they do angels could come back yeah but the, the the whole thing at the end uh where it's like I'm too bad to live and I should just kill myself. And then Buffy's like, yeah, but what about me? I, I love you, even if you are evil. And then she's like, but if you are going to kill yourself, then I don't care and don't expect me to care about it, which doesn't make a lot of sense. So the, the first evil wants Angel to kill himself. No, the first evil wants him to kill Buffy and deal with that problem for all vampires. I guess so. Yeah, well, I think originally wanted Angel to turn. It wants Angel to turn bad and to kill Buffy. And then when that can't happen, it's like, yeah, kill yourself. That works too, right? As long as Angel's not on the force of good, that's... Right. I think that's right. Right, because he's a good vampire. And it doesn't matter what timeline. He's a good vampire. Yeah. Like, even in the alt timeline, he's kind of good. Right. (laughs) Good, but ineffective. Okay, are we ready to get to questions for the group? Uh, yeah, I already talked about how I hate the fake snow. Yeah, anything else to discuss that we missed? Uh, I think we're good. Oh, I didn't talk about Xander's sweater. I want to talk about Xander's sweater. All right. I'm sorry, this is stupid, but I, I want to talk about it. So there, I put some pictures of it at the bottom of the document. Um, uh, maybe I'll even share my screen for yeah, the I, I sake of the YouTube video. Oh, yeah. Uh, I almost never do this. Um, okay, so Xander has this sweater, and I have here the front of the sweater. And if you look at the front of the sweater, it looks like a normal verging on really bland sweater. Yeah. And if you look at the back of it, though, it has the print on it from like a burlap bag of rice flour, <laughs> full size, as though the sweater is a bag of rice flour, but it's on the back. Yep. <laughs> that is not a sensible sweater for any human being to own. It makes no goddamn sense. Like, I get like, oh, I'm going to use this artwork out of context on a shirt. I kind of get that. But why would you put it on the back? And why is it enormous? And why on a sweater? And why on a sweater? Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> this is like almost, it's like too cool to be a real sweater. Like, this, <laughs> like, this seems like it'd be like a $400 sweater. Yeah, it's like a hot sweater. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, that's my that's my uh, beef about that sweater. <laughs> I, I Glad like I had a chance more, to share that. I'd like more in depth, uh, just outrage about the clothes. Like, <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have to put that on the Twitter so people can see it. Perfect. I bet we can find it on. There's a Twitter site that's like bad Buffy outfits. So yeah, just tag them. There are a lot of things to discuss. What does the group think? I want to know. All right. Um, so let's do some. We're going to dive into questions for the group now. Uh, first question is from Travis. Basically, Travis um, would like to know, Mike, what your reaction is to the idea of the first evil. You kind of touched on that earlier. Is there anything you want to add? I mean, I think it's it's a cool villain idea to have like a kind of psychological villain that manifests as the people that you've like you should feel guilty about killing. Like this is like a neat villain idea that I feel like probably has been on every show ever, though it probably wasn't called a 
receivable is probably just like a tool, like a visual tool used to like tell the story. Um, it's interesting because as a Christmas episode, I felt like, oh, this is clearly evoking the Christmas Carol. You know, yes. these are the right. games, but they don't. They're not analogous to like, <laughs> oh, past, future, etc. Right? Like, it's just nope. These are just some people you murdered. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to like because uh, it is very a Christmas Carol, but without that structure. But it's also very it's a wonderful life. But it's the reverse because it's like the Clarence trying to get you to commit suicide. Um, <laughs> uh, reverse of a wonder. It's a wonderful life. Yeah, from the dark. It's a wonderful life universe. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird. It, it feels like there, it should have been, it could have been like more strongly inserted as far as like the, the fact that these things are kind of a part of another universe, like, or that they're, they're, they're to me, it wasn't clear that there was an evil being that brought these things about. And so when I learned later, you know, it's like, uh, Buffy was like, oh, I'm in Angel's dreams. We're dreaming at this, you know, I'm getting sucked into these dreams or whatever. Like, I... I didn't have the same sense of urgency that she did. I'm like, really? This seems like just you're learning about Angel. It's weird, you know, and maybe you can learn that he's a huge creep. Like we all knew. <laughs> it's just, it's just strange that that's the villain is like, oh, that this, and then it was manifested as this like cult that's beneath the Christmas trees that she like, it's just very strange. It didn't feel like the execution was very like clear. And this is, you know, true of a lot of Buffy monsters. So it doesn't bother me that much you know, where the execution could be strange. But because it doesn't really manifest as a monster, it just still stays as those characters. Um, it seems like a device that this show is going to, like my impression is like, oh, this is a device this show is going to use again. It's a fun way, especially with Angel, to talk about his demons, his inner demons, by making, you know, these guilt demons appear. Uh, and everybody on the show has guilt for something or another at this point, you know, and Jenny Calendar's like a common touch point. So I could see, you know, Jenny Calendar can continue to appear on the show as the first evil. Uh, but it didn't feel like it was set up well enough that they are going to continue doing this. So I, I don't know. It's just a weird villain. How would I tweak it? Oh, I'd make it clearer <laughs> that like what this thing was and maybe just have like a cutaway to this cult maybe beforehand doing some rituals and stuff. And like there was, um, there, there is a Christmas that. tree lot scene. There's like some quick flashes of the guys with their eyes cut out and stuff, but it's not, it doesn't make it any more clear. I, I think if it was something like the episode, I robot you Jane, where it's like, you see Moloch or whatever, you know, in the past before he gets sealed away. I don't know. Something where it's like, where I'm a little bit scared of the first evil, like, no one's really bothered by this monster, you know, too much. Like, Buffy just goes and get, destroys it immediately when she, you know, oh, oh, that's where it is. Okay, uh, let me take care of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, it's immediate taunts. She's just like, I get it. You're evil. Uh, let me guess. Is it evil? <laughs> I, I just, I was missing that scene where Giles is like, oh, man, this thing, this is a real monster, guys. The first evil uh, goes back to the Garden of Eden. You know, this is the thing that tempted, you know, Eve. Or this is the thing, not Eve, it would probably be like, whatever, the brothers that, you know, kill each other. You know, like, oh, this is... Cain like, and Abel. Cain and Abel, you know, kind of monster. <laughs> and, it, like, this haunted uh, Cain for eternity. 
missing some backstory. Yeah, I, I, I agree. The first evil is incredibly vague. Mm -hmm. uh, Travis also wants to know who among us is still trying to make amends <laughs> in general, uh, <laughs> which I feel is uh, all of us all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, Travis, thank you for uh, taking it real personal and serious. <laughs> uh, more of an in-universe question. Mike wants to know, uh, do you think Angel came back into the Buffyverse? Uh, why do you think Angel came back to the Buffyverse from hell? I feel like that's Travis overtly to explained. Yeah. Is it overtly explained? Please tell me. I'm confused. Uh, it's... Uh, it's stated that uh, the first brought Angel back because it wants Angel to be evil in the real world. Oh, but Buffy doesn't seem to believe that. Um, oh, the first brought Angel back? Yeah, doesn't 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 oh, evil man. Jenny as the first say that more or less in those terms? But isn't the first a liar? Oh, yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, maybe it's more ambiguous. I feel like Travis accidentally or not dropped a name in the summary. Um, that is actually not a name we are supposed to know at this point. I think, yes, he did. And I think it was not an accident. I think okay. that's he's a, pushing I, it. Okay. Yeah, he, yeah, I think he's pushing it. I think. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. All right. He's trying to get Mike to watch Angels, what he's trying to do. All up. <laughs> uh, ooh, Dennis, good question. Why don't you ask it? Uh, this is related to the Oz getting back together. Um, have you ever gotten back together with someone after a breakup? Was it awkward? I've never done that. So, no, it was not awkward when I never did that. All right. I have tried to do that, so it didn't succeed. So, yeah, it wasn't awkward. <laughs> uh, I've done it. Um, and I didn't, you know, Willow says it's awkward. I didn't honestly feel it was very awkward because the thing is, like, you revert back to the way you used to be real quick. Um, so that makes sense. Yeah. More awkward is when you try to get back with someone who doesn't want to be back with you and you're trying to pretend like you, you yeah, you're trying to slink back into your previous relationship self and it's not working. Uh, that's, uh, that's what much more awkward. That sounds terribly awkward. Yeah. No, I feel like I've done that also, but um. Yeah, Who wants to read this? Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mike. No, no, no that's good. That observation. Nope. Don't need to tell people's names or anything specific. Who wants to read this next Travis question into the record? Um, that one's. That's my question. Does it sound like a Travis question? Oh wait, which one am I looking at? Why oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I skipped that one. I'm sorry, Dennis. Yeah, go ahead. My bad. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so I was like, apparently, I just wrote like Travis there. Uh, <laughs> I said, uh, "Why do you think Buffy is in Angel's dream?" Do you think that the first did it or something else or just a special magic connection Angel and Buffy have? Um, just because I don't like it. It's not clear at all. Yeah. It would thwart the first evil's plot or plan it, to have Buffy there and Buffy be aware of what's going on. So it, it doesn't, doesn't seem to help the first. To, yeah. It doesn't make sense to me to bring for the first to bring Buffy into that. So it might just be like a psychic Buffy thing because her psychic dreams are ill explained anyway. Yeah. I think it's a connection, a combination of Buffy has magic dreams and she has a special connection with Angel. I feel like it's meant to be a, like, I feel like it's a combination of those two things. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. 
Yeah, but it, you're right. It's not a good tool for the first because then it gives her a warning that this is, you know, even a thing and that yeah. sets her off to explore it to begin with. It makes way more sense if the first could have like um, confined Angel to the point where he's like ready to do the deed or something and then Buffy just hasn't seen him in a while and then he just shows up in the bed room in that one weird scene. Right. <laughs> yeah. Been a more successful uh, firsting. But then we wouldn't get the, um, you know, sweaty table dream scene. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but so they can have sex in dreams. That's a safe way for them to have well, sex. Well, this is a question Dennis actually has. I do, uh, yeah. Oh, do you really? Yeah, in the question, I say, uh, if Angel completed the sex dream, would that have turned him? Um, and by completed, you mean, is this like a, a, a wet table dream? Yeah. <laughs> Would they need to refinish the table afterwards? <laughs> I mean, ah! get like you know, a little hand towel. Oh, that's really gross. Um, I, I, that's a question I wanted to ask earlier that I was asking the, the first time we talked about this is like, yeah, to what extent is it just orgasms that make Angel evil? Right. But if they're sharing a dream, if they're both there together, like why is that different than in real life, right? Right. That not, um... Maybe that is what, maybe that's why the first brought Buffy into the dreamscapes, if that could happen. Oh. Oh, yeah. Maybe that was the plan all along. But then Buffy, uh, then Angel bit too soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, because then if, you know, if Angel kills her in a dream too, then it would count for real life as oh, well. gross. Just... <laughs> I'm sorry, what, Mike? <laughs> oh, no, that mean nothing. It's it's a poorly put-together plan from the first to just, like, wreak havoc. I yes. feel like this episode started off as one thing, like a Christmas Carol-type story and with uh, these visual manifestations of the past, and then, like, someone's like, it, but they should be a villain! And then, like, rewrote everything so it would fit uh, into, a, like, a this first evil character. Yeah. For, for God knows why. No, to finish it. Like, if he's just being haunted by his own memories, then how do you end that, right? Right, yeah. right. That would never end. That's a good point. It's like, oh, he's just going to be crazy now? No, no, no. This is a one-off. Come on, guys. Good point. Um, I don't know. Who wants... Do you want to read it? I don't want to read it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read it. Travis has a question here. Uh, who of us has turned down smoochies? I know I have. And that person went out to have a relation with my brother instead. Whoa, high school is crazy. <laughs> So I have no idea what Travis is talking about. I, I know what he's talking about. Okay. Cool. I Well, I think I know the person he's talking about, but I do know that by smoochies, he means sex. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and that's an interesting, like, he wants to survey the group who has ever turned down sex, which is... <laughs> I mean, I think we've all, I mean, I think everyone's turned down sex at different times because it didn't, like, it was a bad idea. Sure. Yeah, another. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think it's an interesting assumption that there might be one, at least one person among us who is like, nope, every time I'm ready. <laughs> Male, female, whatever opportunity comes my way. I'm mostly straight, but I'm mostly here to have a good time. <laughs> whatever it is, I'm down to clown. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a really uh, uncharacteristic um, volunteering of information about from travis's personal life uh travis i love you um love you 
I want to talk about uh, Willie's. Um, and I want to know, like, because Buffy, it's clear that, like, Willie is a- able to operate this, like, vampire bar. And Buffy lets, like, three vampires sneak out. Like, she clearly sees them, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Right? It's really obvious what's going on. And Buffy sort of lets them go. And I guess that's strategic because as long as she lets Willie operate, she can go and ask Willie when she needs information so she can do stuff like this. But do you guys think it's worth it? Do you feel like... Yeah. Well, I, I enjoy it because it's part of the like larger expansion, expansion of the Buffyverse that we've been right. talking about um, that started this season of like, yeah, just like there are like neutral vampires and there's like, or, and it's not all vampires. I mean, I think this is a vampire bar, but like, like you said, but like demons aren't necessarily good or evil, right? They're just right. demons like... Yeah, but if you figure, like, I mean, I don't know how often vampires eat people, but I feel like it's probably fair, fair to say from the way they talk about it that they probably eat somebody once a day, right? So, like, she's letting people walk out who are going to go murder someone before tomorrow. That's true. And, like, that just seems like, I mean, I get that there's a strategy there to some extent and that you can't, you got to pick your battles, but also, like, you're letting three people who are, like, walking out of there with the plan to go find someone and murder them in the next 24 <laughs> hours. <laughs> Seems uh, no, no, she yeah. should totally shut that place down. You're absolutely <laughs> right, John. There's no reason that place should be in existence. I didn't think about that. I was just enjoying the dumb Xander interrogation or like, you know, Xander yeah. trying to get information from, you know, Willie. But like, you're right. Like, it shouldn't exist. Like, yeah, if a vampire will later go kill someone, that's kind of on her for letting them go. <laughs> I mean, depending on how the episode gets written that time, you know? Yeah. There should totally be yeah, like a. I guess because like, Angel's the only vampire that's drinking like pig's blood or whatever. Um, so their vampires are less like they're more just straight up evil. All right, fine. Wipe Willies from the face of Earth. That's fine. Yeah, just like get in there with a couple of hammers and destroy that place. Hammers. <laughs> you know, like they would in the Prohibition era. You know, just go and oh, bust, okay. bust that place. Yeah, no, or, I got gotcha. you. Or just light it on fire. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Fire seems like an underused way to kill vampires. Should be more fire killing of vampires. That seems like flamethrower would be really useful. I don't know. Yeah. Um. So you want to move on to themes? Please. Yes. There's still so much Buffy left to discuss. There, the forces of Angel and also Angelus that live inside us all. We must discuss them, and then also the main theme of the episode. We will have to figure that out. Yet, but just with it is a genius. Uh, Travis has a really, I think, a good point. I don't think I have anything to add to this, but Travis points out that this last scene is partly about how to talk someone down just from suicide, and that you know the show is kind of has a is has to be careful because it's a show for teenagers. And uh, according to Travis, uh, suicide is the second leading cause of death for people aged 15 to 34. So the show has to, has to have a choose life message to it. But Travis feels like Buffy's not doing a good job of talking Angel down from suicide. Um, I don't know how to talk down a suicidal person, but I feel like Travis might have a point here. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is similar to when Buffy uh, tried to talk to the 
talk about domestic abuse, right? Right. Yeah. Buffy, maybe not the best, maybe not a future as like a counselor or whatever. Um, well, yeah, because again, Buffy's strategy is to be like, I would really miss you if you died, but if you're too much of a coward, then I wouldn't miss you because you suck because you're going to kill yourself. <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't know if that, I don't know if that works or not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, it's a good media question. Like what's the responsibility of a show? I mean, if you show these kinds of things, like, you, you, it is on you to kind of show somehow responsibly dealing with this thing, right? Right. But it's a vampire. But, I mean, it's like the, the whole show is trying to tell you that you should kill yourself from guilt, right? Like, Am I a righteous man? <laughs> you know, I, I hear about that sometimes, right? Like people that kill themselves because they, you know, they inadvertently killed someone in a car accident or they're responsible for someone's death in some way you know soldiers all the time for ptsd you know mm -hmm. like whatever stuff they did and then they kill themselves yeah i mean this this is probably not a really helpful episode for them to watch they're probably like yep i'm angel i'm the bad guy, like the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know if i have anything to add to this i feel like i don't know a lot about it um yeah i did why um Maybe we could have brought in an expert or something. Yeah. Well, and it's also though, like, I feel like the show is bringing up the idea of suicide, but I don't think the show is terribly invested in talking about suicide in and of itself. I feel like they're interested in having a tortured character. So that comes up, but I don't think this is a, I don't think they sat down and said like, let's write an episode about suicide. I don't think that's what they did. Right. Um, so I mean, they're bringing it up on accident almost. Yeah, uh, which, which is kind of which is kind of the problem. Yeah, it's kind of a thing that happens sometimes on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, speaking of things that kind of come up on accident, let's talk about um, Oz and Angel as different images of men dealing with their own sexuality. As I want to talk about that. All right, cool. Because they're uh, both. Yeah, how are they the same? Choosing, Let's start they're, there. They're both choosing abstinence. Right. Um, for different reasons. Angel, literally, because it will destroy the world. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's it's also kind of weird, right, to think about, like, this this not being a sex-positive show at this point. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily that it's not sex-positive. I actually think that um, what... If you listen to the letter of what Oz says, and I think it's actually kind of hard to follow because the way that they've developed the Oz character is such that he's not allowed to have tone or feeling in his words. So it's kind of hard to parse out <laughs> what he's actually saying sometimes. But if you actually like, because I had to listen to his speech a couple times and what he's saying, uh, you know, I think is, is actually really great. He's saying that, um, he's, not, he's saying, firstly, yes, Willow, I do want to have sex with you. But secondly, the way, Willow, that you've narrativized this is that you owe me sex as like a prize, as like a, as like a, um, as a yeah. consolation prize for having cheated on me. And I don't think we should have sex under those circumstances. Yeah. So and let's do this later. Oz is amazing. Right. <laughs> and it's not, and again, it's not just because he's turning down sex. I think, you know, Travis's question aside, I think men turn down sex all the time. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, that stereotype is, is stupid and it's that's xander but like um it's what's yeah what's really hard to believe about it is that he has so much awareness of his own feelings and willow's feelings and states them so perfectly it's amazing 
What an amazing man. <laughs> Better than human. Um, but then Angel chooses abstinence. So like, so the thing that is amazing to me is like Oz chooses abstinence. What he doesn't choose abstinence. Oz chooses to not have sex that day. Right. right. You're right. Yeah. I was totally uh, misspeaking. I was totally mischaracterizing. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, but I think it's, it's a, it's a, I don't know. He chooses not to have sex with Willow that day because he understands the, what role that plays in Willow's story. Right. Um, Angel chooses not to have blood sex with Buffy, but only because of his own story. Like to him, whether, whatever choice he makes, he's only viewing that in terms of his story. He's only viewing that in terms of his redemption story. Right. Uh, or lack of redemption story. Um, it is sort of Buffy's really not involved except as a symbol of what he should or should not be able to have or should or should not take or whether, or this like, you know, bellwether of whether or not he's a good person. Um, and I feel like that's why we should all be Oz's and not angels. Yeah. So it's like an angel demon thing, but it's an angel Oz thing. An mm. angel is a bad one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like Angel is the bad one because Angel is the self-involved one constantly worrying about whether or not he's a good person. And Oz yeah. is the one who's actually thinking about somebody else once in a while. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, also, at the end, when we see that they're like in bed together in the pajamas, that's friggin' adorable. Yeah, yeah. that's really sweet. Goddamn cute couple. <laughs> God damn them for being so God cute. Fucking damn them. <laughs> uh, uh, it's so, funny that the, the show is like so happy about them being a couple and like they're the most likely to succeed. And yet the show is like spends so much more time on the insanity of like Angel and Buffy. Yeah. Of like a crazy person. Crazy people always get more attention than that would be interesting. people. I, I haven't read any of the Twilights, obviously, but that would be interesting if like that was a thing in them also of like a normal healthy relationship was going on as a subplot that like <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm sure there is. Uh nope. I bet there isn't. I bet it is just the crazy I also have not really familiar with Twilight. I mean, that's part of Buffy, the, the show, uh, the show's sort of self-awareness and the show, what makes the show, I think, appealing is that as a viewer, you get to choose which narrative to identify with. And I do think there are fans who are really about the Buffy Angel like romance mm -hmm. and all of that implies, but the show offers you some choices as far as whether or not you choose to care about that. Yeah. Which is kind of nice. And I think it's true about all like all the stories. Like right now, I am choosing to not care about the faith arc at all. That may change as we get further along. But she's not given enough time right now. Yeah, she doesn't. Yeah, that's true. At least Joyce is pointing out that she's still in that shitty motel, man. Somebody's got to stay aware of that. Yeah. Thanks, Joyce. <laughs> also, how is she paying for anything? How does she have money for Christmas lights and bad presents? Even like, does, does she get like a stipend from the Watchers Council? She definitely doesn't, because. I think what happens is some vamps have money and when you poof them, change falls out. Like <laughs> <laughs> and oh, and then she like goes and buys a Coke from the vending machine. Yeah. <laughs> She's got to stake like 10 vamps a day to get her rent. Okay. Uh, do we want to talk about the uh, upsetting angel fleshback? Uh, fleshback. Flash, no, the flashback, excuse me. Um, well, yeah, you, you did promise to talk about it. So we did. Yeah, we it. did. 
Uh, yeah, I say the second angel flashback is very intense. Um, him using the power inherent in being a white rich man to kill the maid uh, as much as being a vampire. And then Buffy watches it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, just like the, because she, the maid thinks that up to a point that he's trapped her for sex. Right. For sexual favor, whatever, for rape. Um, yeah. And is trapped by it. Like, um, he uses, like, the mistress will never believe you, and we're in this public party, and I have all the power and stuff. He's using the patriarchy and misogyny and stuff. Um, but then he does, he lets her know after she's consented, after, like, if it's, I mean, it's not consent, but after she's given up, I guess. Yeah. Um, he lets her know, nope, this isn't even that. This isn't even like this one terrible thing you think it is. I'm actually just yeah. going to kill you. Um, so it, I mean, it's just a rough scene. Um, I don't know what else I really have to say about it. Uh, no, that's a, that's a good, that's a strong read on it. I, I feel like that's, I did not react as strongly to that, but when you bring it up, like that's clearly a really, I was enjoying angels acting in that scene, but, uh, well, yeah, I that, mean, it's, it's clearly a rape scene in, until he, until he just eats her. Um, which I think is not the only place, but a really obvious place to point out that uh, Angel's feelings of guilt are really tied up with sex. Uh, and that for evil Angel, like sex and violence are kind of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, which is... Probably true for all vampires. Probably true for all vampires, but I feel like there's a, um, there's a broader read on men there. Uh, that uh, men have uh, violent sexual impulses that they need to keep it like they need to keep secret and keep at bay, right? Which uh, is something that I think is, you know, it's not certainly not just in Buffy, but I feel like is an idea that needs to be challenged. Maybe more more than we have time to talk about here, but and not something I know a lot about. But like that 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 general idea is, mm, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't personally feel that way, that I've got violent sexual impulses that I need to keep at bay. Right. I mean, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird scene because of all of the. Th- I mean, I think that's why it's like it's high on Angel's guilt list, right? Is where he totally used the power to used his power as a rich white man to kill someone. But like, I don't know. Someone else can talk more about this. I, I, I'm still thinking about how I feel about it. I think it's it's a it's a challenging scene to like to read and then still like that character because it's such it's such a powerful scene and that Buffy can still kind of for you know want to be with Angel afterwards after witnessing that. Right. And it's like oh it's just the first evil is responsible for this. Like no he he did this. He's like he's such a terrible creature. Or is but it Buffy angelic? doesn't even react to it really. Yeah, she like she looks just, shocked in the dream, but she doesn't bring it up later. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of the many things she's, yeah, bothered by or whatever. It's not as big as something else for her. Yeah, but um, I guess if she wasn't bothered by like him, you know, killing Ms. Calendar and torturing Giles, like people she knows, like if that's not enough for her to be like, maybe I should date somebody else, then uh, I, didn't mean I guess it. that some stranger from another century isn't going to do it. But he's full on Angelus in that scene, right? That's yeah. the Angelus yeah. character. Yeah. So she's already disassociated that from Angel. Right. 
Yeah. Although it's interesting is when he sees her and he reacts in the dream is that it's Angel reliving it, right? Right. So it is Angel doing that in the flashback or fleshback. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not make that a thing. All right. But his fleshback has that Angel tattoo. <laughs> okay uh do you guys want to talk about predictions yes always okay michael is a fool he does not know what will happen next in the show (laughs) i like to laugh at his foolish predictions this is the section of the podcast where i make predictions about what i think will happen next since i haven't seen all of buffy vampire slayer except to the episode that we are watching now predictions so uh we got a couple things to talk about here um in season two episode one mike predicted that we will never see xander's parents we still have not seen xander's parents but i feel like this was if we were gonna see their parents (laughs) this was gonna be a good opportunity but we did not see xander's parents so i feel like that's Oh, it's you know, so sad to see Xander sleeping outside and snow falling <laughs> on his face. I think that we didn't even talk about that this episode. Because we don't care about Xander. Yeah. Parents are such drunk assholes, right? It's safer to sleep outside on Christmas. Jeez. Okay, this one's interesting. So in season three, episode two, Mike predicted that something supernatural is causing dreams of Angel to happen. So this is bef- this was actually before Angel came back. And Buffy was having dreams. So do we think those dreams were on some level caused by the first? Because if they were, then Mike definitely gets this one. If not, I don't know. I don't know. We still haven't decided if he was brought back by the first. You seem convinced of that, but... Yeah. Yeah. So I think it, it could be the same thing that brought him back, but whether that's the first or something else that was named in the summary um, is yeah. yet to be conclusively decided okay never be conclusively decided so i guess we're gonna leave that one open then yeah didn't um mike like make a prediction that like they'll only get together in their dreams uh Um, yep that's coming up here okay sorry (laughs) sorry uh mike predicted that giles and joyce will not talk about hooking up ever again uh they actively avoided that or joyce did this episode but uh could still happen we don't know um let's see oh that's gotta be for every instance (laughs) (laughs) uh okay season three episode nine uh angel will be tortured again but not by willow was angel tortured in this episode yes yeah so yeah so after um the wish that was so soon that would happen (laughs) i gotta say is if the whole angel show is angel being tortured that sounds like a terrible terrible show I can't deal with this character just constantly being tortured by his past. Um, season two, episode 17, Mike predicts that Buffy will never get back together with Angel except in her dreams. That obviously is totally accurate. Well, it's well, no wait, because it does say they'll never get back together because it could still happen that they do get back together physically. Yes. That we're could still, still happen. On. So I think we're still leaving that one open. But uh, this yeah. is so far confirmed. They got back together in their dreams. This so episode. far so good, like a lot of these. But uh, I think it's you... interesting just because like she, they got back together in their dreams for like three episodes in a row in the beginning of the season, and then they stopped doing it. And now episode ten, they're back to it again. You know, it's basically impossible to prove a never prediction until um, we get to yeah, right? Because you're declaring a rule about the show and how yeah. the show functions. And it's like, cool, well, you figured out the show. Great job. 
uh, no points <laughs> until everything is complete. Yeah. Um, let's see. And then we got one more here. Oh, okay. So Faith will give a wild story to explain where she has been in the last two episodes. So Faith came back and gave no wild story. Uh, do we want to give her another chance? Can you give her another episode to no, know where she was? <laughs> yeah, no? but she's just like, she's trying to get the TV going. She's got a party to go to. She's a busy lady. <laughs> she has almost no explanation for what she's doing, where she's been up, what she's been up to. Okay. No one even cares except Julius. So are, are we, we're denying that one? We are denying it. Okay. So that's the only one we're confirming or denying. So before we confirm, before we deny that one, Mike's at 69.35. And now that we've denied it, Mike, your score is 68.25. Oh no, you're off of the 69. Yep. So not going in the right direction. Well, I have two or, new predictions. Okay. Uh, I think that Xander... So we've confirmed Xander has not lost his virginity. He did not have sex with Cordelia. Yes. I, I think believe... they never got off second base, honestly. That's my okay. thing about their relationship. I think uh, my prediction is that Xander will lose his virginity to a monster, which I think I've said that, right? Correct, Mike. You have said that uh, Xander will have sex with a monster that he does not know is a monster. That was the prediction. Okay. Yep. Do you want to just uh, leave that one? I want to say a second one. Z G Xander will lose his virginity to a monster. All right. Yeah. Those should be separate predictions. I yeah, said. I want those to be separate. Uh, to and protect do you have a time myself. Period? This, this season. season. Season three. <sighs> the yeah. sex with the monster. Hey, wait, you're going to tie that to season three? I mean, it's probably foolish. It's probably a season four or five or something, college. I feel like this show is putting up. It's, this show's depiction of high school sex is rather uh, surprising. Uh, I feel like it's, uh, it's not as lusty as the characters behave. They are very uh, into abstinence, as this episode <laughs> has proven. Um, I, I would say Xander's more likely to have sex by season four. Uh, Cordelia... I'm sorry, Oz and uh, Willow, on the other hand, will have sex this season. No, wait a second. So what's the prediction? Xander will lose his virginity to a monster in season four or what? What are we saying here? I, I, I want to say, say season, season three, but I don't think he'll do it in season three. <laughs> so I'm going to say season four. And it's annoying, say season it's, four? It's annoying to make a prediction like that. That's like, oh, in a year, you know, I must do <laughs> the show. But yes, Xander will lose his virginity to a monster in season four. Very good. Okay. And Willow will lose her virginity to Oz this season. And I don't know how losing a virginity affects a witch. I don't think it will be an Angelus-like transformation. I think she'll just like, <laughs> I think she'll just like sex. You know, I don't think it's going to be like something terrible will happen to her. <sighs> Versus Xander is going to feel like a connection to a monster. And he's like, eh, she's kind of cute, even in... She's a monster. Yeah, it's all right. She stole my penis. I gotta get it back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it for this uh, predictions for this episode. Yeah, that's it. Unless, um, okay. I mean, I I don't I don't know how to make a prediction about the the first eagle because like I don't know what they're gonna do with that. I think it's a fun way to have flashbacks, flashbacks <laughs> uh, take place, uh, and that the show 
clearly enjoys it. I think it seems like this is a villain for the Angel series, uh, but I don't want to make a prediction about it because I don't know if we're going to watch that. So, so no predictions whatsoever about uh, the I, first evil. I, I mean, just that it's going to happen again. All right, but I don't know when. And also, I think it will happen on Angel more than it's going to happen to Buffy. But yes, here's a prediction: the first evil will return. Okay. The show's not done with that doing that yet, but I don't know, you know, when or which show. All right. So since you've only made uh, three predictions today, Mike, I'm going to make you roll the dice. Uh, this is why my percentages are so crazy. That is not true. There's hardly been any dice predictions, much right, less I've confirmed than one. You've got, you've got a die. Yes. All right. All roll right. the die. Got a four. You've got a four. Okay, Mike. All right. I need you to roll again to choose a major character. Roll again? Yes. Okay. Six. Okay. So, uh, Giles. All right. I want you to predict if Giles is going to kiss anybody before the end of the season. He's going to kiss anybody? <laughs> yeah. Will Giles have a kiss before the end of season three? He already had one in uh, Band Candy, right? Like, he enjoys, right? True, true, but... From here to the end of season three, is Giles no. going to have, I guess, another no. kiss? There'll be no more kissing for Giles. He's done <laughs> kissing. Unless okay. he kisses a Jenny Calendar fantasy. But he's okay. no kissing for Giles. Or it could be an accident. Like someone could kiss him and he'd be like, oh, what? No. <laughs> so wait, what? Giles will not kiss anyone on Giles purpose. Will not, <laughs> Giles will not initiate a kiss. Okay. No consensual three. kissing from Giles. He may receive a kiss, but he will not initiate a kiss. Giles will not initiate a kiss in season three, except for with ghost Jenny Calendar, or am I going to not include that proviso? Don't include that, please. Okay, all right. <laughs> but I don't know. There's probably some other watchers are going to show up, you know, so. Oh, we yeah. had the one fake watcher show up, so I think another watcher is going to show up. If I have some predictions out about watchers. You think yes, you've already you made a prediction the, that we're going to get another watcher in season three. You think all the watchers kiss each other? No, but I think that's the person that's probably most likely to hook up with Giles to be another watcher. Derelict of duty. All right. Very Every good. Night drinking tea. Things happen. <laughs> Uh, when they they have their retreat with the like canoeing, it does sounds pretty romantic. Canoeing, more like canoodling. <laughs> uh, Dennis, do you have a kill count for this episode? How many of them die? I need to know for my special book. Tell me, Dennis. This uh, next section of the Buffy Virgin podcast is the kill count, where we count up all the people that died in this episode. I do, yeah. So what I did was count the ghosts as kills and i'm not sure if i counted jenny actually because we already kind of counted her once and then um the two assistants to the evil buffy hit them with an axe so i think she killed them i'm really not sure but it looks like they got axed to the stomach so i counted five five dead humans if very good those assistants to the again the va- the vagueness of the first i couldn't tell if those guys were humans or not they got their eyes carved out but i don't know if they were like you know anyway so i counted five um and then when we go into recommendations okay what should i 
watch after this show? What should I check out? What do you recommend, guys? This is the recommendation section of the Buffy Virgin podcast. All right. So uh, because this is a Christmas ghost episode, I get to once again talk about Christmas ghosts, which is a subject I bring up on this show sometimes. Because um, it was a British, it's a British tradition on Christmas to tell ghost stories, which is why like um, the uh, Christmas Carol is a ghost story and stuff. So um, Dickens wrote uh, one called The Signalman, which was made into a BBC production for Christmas. So that is my recommendation for British ghost stories is The Signalman um, from 1972. I think there was a 2015 remake, but this is the original one as far as I know. Um, I also recommend um, The Beavis and Butthead Christmas because that is also a reverse It's a Wonderful Life where they're trying to get them to kill, them, to kill themselves. Uh, <laughs> find out how awesome they are instead. Uh, and because this is a Buffy Christmas episode, I get to, I am going to recommend one Christmas horror movie. Um, and so last week we, well, last week I recommended Tales from the Crypt, which has a Christmas horror story in it. That 1970s amicus movie has like, um, you know, the escaped lunatic dressed as Santa led in to the house by a little girl. So it's already got that. So I'm going to recommend Black Christmas. Um, that's my other Christmas horror recommendation. Uh, so that is it for Rex for me for the night. Does anyone else have anything? I have no recommendations, no. All right. Well, then I... I have two Black Christmases. There's a 74 and a 2006 one. 74. Okay. When in doubt, if it's a recommendation for me, always go with the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) I think there was an exception with Funny Games where you went with the more modern Funny Games. Yeah, just because I haven't seen the original one, but I hear they're very similar. I have also heard that they're basically the same. Okay, so I think that's it for Buffy Virgin for Season 3, Episode 10, Amends. Uh, You should check us out on Twitter at BuffyVirginPod. Check us out on Instagram or on Facebook. We're Buffy Virgin. And if you want to hear raps about Xander, uh, Buffy Virgin Michael Poli can really uh, help you out with that at uh, SoundCloud.com slash Buffy Virgin. Or Buffy, sorry, SoundCloud.com slash Buffy hyphen Virgin. And, of course, we're on the web at BuffyVirgin.com where you can play the home game version of predictions. Thanks a lot and good night. Yay. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to Buffy Virgin. I'm, my name is Bearline, guest, editor, and also number one fan of Buffy Virgin. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.